Happy Spooky Month, and Happy Saturday, or whenever it is to all of you listeners and lovers of cartoons. Welcome to Kelby's Cartoon Corner, the show where all October long we'll be discussing all the best of Halloween cartoons, from creepy cartoons to Halloween specials. And by we, I mean me, Kelby, alone in my bedroom so I don't have to kick my roommate out of the house every time that I record. Also because it's 2 a.m. This week we're discussing Gravity Falls, a Disney Channel cartoon that premiered in 2012 and ran for only two seasons. While that might not seem like a lot, this show managed to tell a really captivating story in that short amount of time, and I'm super excited to talk about it. I forgot how funny and charming this show is, and it was really, really fun to revisit uh, Gravity Falls and everything that happens. So if it is Saturday when you're listening, I hope you have some comfy pants and spooky snacks. I mean, regardless of what day it is, I hope you have comfy pants and snacks, but you know, especially if it's Saturday, and especially because it's spooky month. I hope y'all are eating some pumpkin pie and having some lattes or whatever, apple cider if you don't like pumpkin spice things, that's also valid. But no matter what day it is, get comfy, grab a snack, and let's get spooky. I just want to give a quick heads up that I'm listening to, you probably can't hear it, but I can hear it, some spooky, like, ambient sound in the background. That's my new favorite thing to do when I'm typing or just being alone. I like to listen to ambient noise, and normally it's raining, but right now I have some... I hit the table really hard, sorry. (laughs) I'm listening to some spooky sound like ambient music in the background and I don't know what it's gonna do so if all of a sudden like a witch cackles in the background and I pause for a second to bring my soul back into my body I just want to warn you ahead of time that that's something that may happen again I don't know what this thing is gonna do and honestly I think it stopped but like that's okay the wi-fi like sucks I can't ever get wi-fi back in my bedroom but that's okay we're not moving this whole operation out to the living room we just moved in here (laughs) I don't record these episodes with the intent that anyone will listen like it's a story or anything. I just assume that you'll see the title of a show that you like, and then you'll listen because we both enjoy that show. Gravity Falls is the show that kind of started me on this journey of getting into all the modern day cartoons. Yeah, I watched regular show, but that was just fun because I remembered my brother watching it when I still lived at home. But Gravity Falls is the first modern day cartoon that I really got into, and then from there I watched Steven Universe, Infinity Train, Amphibia, and I'm working on Adventure Time, but I'm stuck in season one, but I know it gets better, and I'm trying to push through it. I have a list of shows that I still need to watch from the modern era, too. Uh, Kipo, uh, She-Ra is on my list on Netflix, and if anyone knows where I can find the Owl House to watch, I'm trying really hard to not watch any videos about it so I can be surprised, but it's hard, yo, because the internet really likes this show, and I want to like this show, but I haven't seen it, so I can't be... You know, I can't I can't have an opinion either way because I haven't seen the show yet because it's not on Disney Plus, but it should be. Petition to put Owl Owl House on Disney Plus. I'm like reading things as I'm scrolling and it's really messing with my brain. So yeah, Gravity Falls is the show that kind of started all of this. My rediscovered love of animation, my obsession with Steven Universe, and eventually my starting this podcast. It all happened because of Gravity Falls. And I never would have watched Gravity Falls if one of my friends hadn't gotten Uh, Mabel's sweater tattooed on her arm so shout out to Brooke for also being obsessed with cartoons I appreciate I appreciate that I need another person in my life that also likes cartoons and like is a functioning adult I did spoil the entirety of Gravity Falls for myself. Before I was really ready to commit to it, I watched a bunch of videos about the show, and I stumbled onto a timeline video, and I watched it. So going into the show, I knew all the big plot 
the you know the plot twist and everything that was going to be happening but i still really enjoyed it even though i knew all the major stuff i still thought the story was engaging enough to keep me watching and going back to watch the show a second time i was just as into it actually i was way more invested in the finale this time around i was home alone and just like yelling at the tv which like hasn't happened since infinity train so that's something also this was the fastest that i have ever binged a show just for the purpose of this podcast since i watched danny phantom i watched most of danny phantom over a weekend and i watched gravity falls in like a week usually it takes me a few weeks to get all the way through a show but gravity falls it helps that it's really short but also the story was really engaging so i didn't have i mean it's 4.30 a.m. Do you want to watch the next episode? Absolutely, I want to watch the next episode. I already know what happens, but I'm going to watch the next one anyway. I really like this show. So because I spoiled the show for myself, and I don't want to do that for you, I'm going to try to avoid any kind of spoiler stuff. I really just want to talk about what the show means to me. Um, I'll give some broad strokes of the plot. And then to close out, I bought journal number... Again, hit the table really hard with my elbow. Sorry. I bought journal number three, and it ends really sweetly. So I'm going to read the end of journal number three. But that is not yet. We've got a little bit before we get there. Gravity Falls follows the summer adventures of a pair of 12-year-old twins, Dipper and Mabel Pines. Their parents sent them to spend the summer with their great-uncle Stan in Gravity Falls, Oregon. Stan runs a tourist trap called the Mystery Shack, and the twins work there during the day. In the very first episode of the show, Stan sends Dipper to hang up posters for the Mystery Shack, and Dipper discovers a hole in the ground. Inside the hole is a really old journal with a six-fingered hand on the front and a number three written in it. And yo, first of all, I watched the timeline video, and it took me until halfway through season two to figure out that this hand had six fingers on it. That totally blew my mind. It flew completely over my head. I had no idea. I was just like, oh, <laughs> a hand. Also, a lot of times in animation, characters only have four fingers, but in Gravity Falls, they all have five, except for one character. But that is going to get us into spoiler territory, so we're going to steer around that, and we're going to come right back into where we were. So, ever since they came to Gravity Falls, Dipper has been noticing some strange stuff happening, and this journal is full of records of strange and weird things. He keeps the journal and reads through it to see if anything he's seen shows up in the journal. Okay, that's... Okay. Again, I don't read these before we start, so sometimes sentences feel really redundant after I read them out loud, but that's okay. Dipper is determined to uncover the secrets of Gravity Falls, and this journal is his guide, but there's a mystery that even he doesn't know. At the end of episode one, we see Stan enter a code into the vending machine in the gift shop, and then there's a secret passage behind it. This is something that Dipper and Mabel don't even know about until the beginning of season two. They just showed us that little bit, enough to make us wonder, and then the mystery of what Stan is up to perpetuates through the rest of season one and into season two. Um... This feels like a good a place as any. I flipped through the journal just to see if there was anything else that was worth reading. And I found a timeline of Gravity Falls that I think is really cool. So I'm going to read that real quick. And let me pause so I can get resituated. Okay, so I had... I'm... I resituated. And I've come to the conclusion that I'm just going to have to hold this microphone while I read. So this... The audio might be a little bit choppy. It might be... I don't know. It might be something that I don't even include in the, like final edit of the podcast but that's okay we'll <laughs> we just have this in here just in case so again if you don't or if you're a fan of gravity falls and you don't already own this journal i highly recommend that you go out and get it um the only thing that i have not done in this journal yet is i don't have a black light so i haven't like shined a black light over it but i've been up and down and backwards through this journal and i've read everything that's in here except for 
at the end well we'll 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 get to that when we get to it i'll read that when it's there so again this is a recorded history of gravity falls written from the perspective of the author of the journals whom i will not reveal the name of whom who i'm not gonna reveal their name until the very very end of this podcast because again i don't want to spoil anything so a bit of history Weeks have passed, and I'm still no closer to discovering the grand unified theory of weirdness. Whenever I feel as though I've hit a roadblock, I like to read up on Gravity Falls Pass in the public library. This town's history may hold clues to the source of its weirdness. Gravity Falls Assembled History. This is a timeline. It's assembled, like, vertically, so I'm going to read. I'm going to do the best I can, but I make no promises of how, like, fluid this is going to be. So, 65 million dinosaurs ruled until they didn't. 30 million... UFO original impact, valley formed, tree ring interruption slash radiation test confirm. Tell no one about this. AD 1000, native people mysteriously evacuate town in a hurry. Describe Gravity Falls as cursed land. Leave behind treasure trove of pottery, blankets, and symbols. Some art depicts my muse and his interactions with a shaman named Modok. Art hoarded by Northwests. Which, again, if you... I, like, I don't have time to unpack the entire the entirety of gravity falls but the northwest are the like rich the rich people in town who claim that their family founded gravity falls so that leads into our next point 1842 town is founded by nathaniel northwest and then it's crossed out and written in dipper's handwriting quentin trembley and again if you've seen the show you know what that means 1849 gold rush 1850 lesser known flannel rush 1851, mining ceases after miners claim sightings of prehistoric beasts. Need to investigate. 1860s, high five supposedly invented by Oregon Trail settlers Grady and Fertilia. Mm -hmm. Fertilia sets record of 42 children. Oh, Fertilia. That's funny. I appreciate that. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) Who? That audio is going to be real because my hand was shaking while I was laughing. Okay. Woo. Okay. 1883. The great train crash of 83. Conductor distracted by flash of light and careens off cliff. 1920. Maple syrup prohibition leads to pancake speakeasies. 1937. Plane crash in mountains. Woman escapes into forest. Amelia was here. Carved in mountainside. 1947. UFO sighted. Headed east. Ronald Sprout Sr. claims to shoot it with his shotgun. 1960, Greasy's Diner salvages crash train parts for restaurant. 1975, my arrival in Gravity Falls. 1981, discovery of Muse. The future. 2012, giant baby takes over universe. And that looks like Mabel's handwriting. Which is valid, because they did encounter the time baby later in the season (laughs) and then on the next page i don't think this has anything to do with the like timeline i just like forgot this was in here and now i'm really interested in what it says so it says while searching for the history while searching history in the library archives i found an unnoted rusty bruh (laughs) come on cursive writing While researching history in the library archives, I found an unnoticed, rusty, ancient box with the word Pines scrawled on it and an etching of a key. 
Curious, I broke it open and found this. I cannot understand the code, so the meaning is lost on me. One day I may decipher it. And then there's like two full pages of code. But like, there's also a picture in here. And the picture is 100% Blendin' Blandin' from the future. From the year 2012. And also, someone who looks like he could possibly be of Pine's descent unclear but this entire like the next two pages are completely in code and i'm very curious to know what it says so i may take some time um perhaps over the winter or something when i need a project and take a day and try to decipher what this page says or i could probably just google it but like i'd much rather just do it myself and give myself that sense of accomplishment because we all need that right now we need to feel like we're accomplishing something so i'm gonna put this mic down and i'm gonna resituate everything and put the book away for a little bit so I can come back into my script. So we are going to pause. So I hope y'all enjoyed that because that was kind of a little bit of chaos that happened right here in the middle of the podcast. Again, I did not really think about how that was going to play out when like just having to read and hold a book and hold a microphone. It was a little bit, a little bit nuts, but that's okay. Eventually I am going to get a, like a boom arm so I can I don't have to be holding my microphone and like if I accidentally hit the table it won't rattle the microphone I just don't have the money for something like that right now so we're just gonna have to make do with what we got so again coming back into the script I hope you liked that little bit of I hope that wasn't too much chaos I hope you could like track what I was doing (laughs) what was going on um I've that little bit of a timeline honestly is enough to kind of give you an idea of the humor of Gravity Falls like Fertilia what an, what a remarkable name for a woman who bore 42 children that was marvelous and I did not catch that until just now <laughs> but that's really fun but I that kind of gives you a sense of the history of Gravity Falls. It kind of gives you a sense of the humor of the show in general. Um, There is an entire timeline where, not a timeline, a storyline where they discover that uh, Nathaniel Northwest was not actually the founder of Gravity Falls. And then Dipper and Mabel go on this entire day expedition to find that there was a government conspiracy and like a cover-up to cover up the guy who actually founded Gravity Falls, who was the eighth and a half president of the United States, and his name was Quentin Trembley, and he was such, like, a, just, like, a weird guy that they launched this entire conspiracy theory, or, like, cover-up, to cover up the fact that he founded Gravity Falls because the reason that he founded Gravity Falls was because he was riding his horse backwards and he fell off a cliff and he fell into this valley and he was like "Ooh, this would make a good place for a town and so he named it Gravity Falls and he was silly but he was able to survive for like 200 years like underground because he preserved himself in peanut brittle and then I... I don't think he ate himself out. I think Mabel, like, broke off a chunk of it, and that was enough to get him free. Whatever. He was very silly, and just, like, the idea of something like that is fun. But the, like, the fact that the journal even exists in a hard copy is a testament to the lengths, lengths, that, (laughs) the, the fact that, the, the, me, 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 me. I'm going off script, so I'm kind of, like, rambling. The fact that the journal even exists in a hard copy is just a testament to how much 
uh, world building that Alex Hirsch did to establish the world of Gravity Falls. And I will, I talk about that later, but I just wanted to point out that the fact that the journal exists and the fact that there's an entire page that's completely in code that I haven't figured out yet because, again, I forgot that it was in there. I just think that's really fun. And it, you know, the show has been over for four years and there's still stuff to discover for me because, I, you know, I just discovered the show like a year ago. So for me, there's still plenty of stuff to learn and decode and decipher and all that kind of stuff. So... All that kind of stuff is what makes Gravity Falls so good. They show us this little bit, and then we learn more, and we uncover layers of mystery. Dipper finds this journal, and then he uses it to defend himself and his friends and his family from these monsters and all the weird stuff around Gravity Falls. And as we go on, Dipper kind of starts to wonder who wrote the journal. I actually, I, I think, if I remember right, it was Mabel who posed the question, who wrote the journals, and then... Dipper spends the entire rest of the summer trying to figure out who the author of the journals is. And again, not going to spoil it until the very end, and I don't tell you who it is, I just say their first name. So, just giving you a heads up. <laughs> so as he goes searching for the author, we meet Gideon, who is Stan's competition because he also runs a tourist trap. Gideon is a little boy who claims to have psychic powers, and as the series goes on, we learn that he's actually a fraud. But we also learn that Gideon has a journal with a hand on the front, but his has a number two on it. So when Gideon learns that Dipper also has a journal, he assumes that there's only two, and that Dipper must have journal number one. So Gideon gets his hands on both journals, but he's shocked to find out that there are three and not just two. And that leads to another mystery. Who has journal number one? Where is it? Where did it go? Where is it? Those are basically the same question. That's okay. <laughs> so Dipper shows Stan the journal he found after they beat Gideon and Stan borrows it for a little bit and turns out that Stan has journal number one and he took journal number two from Gideon so now he has all three journals. He flips them open and they all merge to make this giant blueprint for some kind of weird machine. So Stan gets to work rebuilding whatever it is and when he gets done he pulls a lever and it starts a countdown and that's how season one ends. This is a show that I wish I had really been into when it was popular for a lot of reasons, but I'm also really glad that I found it on a streaming service so I don't have to wait forever to watch season two because I can't imagine having to wait to find out what that machine is for and why the countdown is happening. But that's all I'm going to give you as far as plot goes. But I will tell you that we do learn who the author of the journals is pretty early on in season two. I just don't want to spoil anything, but I'm also really selling it short. There's so much that happens in season one that makes this show so great. And not all of it is super plot heavy, but it's still very fun. Such as... Mabel falling in love with a merman named Mermondo after he gets trapped in the public pool and having to free him by breaking into the pool at night. Also, he ends up being Dipper and Mabel's first kiss. Both of them. He is both of their first kiss. I think that's really fun. Dipper bringing a video game character to life to fight Robbie, who is dating Wendy, a girl that Dipper likes. Dipper making a copy of himself, so he has plenty of chances not to ruin a night with Wendy. Not a copy. Many copies. Multiple copies. <laughs> So many, so many dippers. Dipper and Mabel joining Wendy and her friends on a wild teenage night where they break into a haunted old gas station and Mabel gets high off candy that's been banned from being sold in the U.S. This is honestly one of my favorite episodes and it happens very early on. I want to say it's episode like four or five. It's very early. It's called... What is the candy called? I don't remember what it's called, but it's basically like a fun dip stick and it, uh, it like is banned from being sold in the U.S. And... 
for probably for good reason because Mabel eats like 15 packages of it. No, what does she say? I think she says Blevendy 7 is how many packages of this candy she ate and she like hallucinates. Actually, hold on. There's hold on. There's a thing in the journal about it. I found it. I found the journal entry after they break into this uh, convenience store. I'm sorry. I did not mean to this is I'm having a lot of fun with this and I hope you can tell. So this is the entry from, let me back up because Dipper found this journal and then when he uh, was reading through it, he got to the end and there were just a bunch of blank pages. So Dipper has started writing in this journal. So this is uh, from Dipper the night after they got back from the haunted convenience store. June 14th, just got back from an incredible adventure at a haunted convenience store. I fought these two ghosts and beat them single-handedly. Um, I had to dress up as a, you know what, never mind. Not really anything noteworthy about how they were defeated. But Wendy and her teen friends were all really impressed. Nothing really to write about Wendy either. I mean, what would I write, right? <laughs> okay, I'm done writing. And then it, like, switches handwriting. Well, I'm not. Dipper's gone to bed, but I need to write down what happened tonight. And I forget the combo to my diary lock again and I can't stop thinking about oh gosh Aoshima it's like a really weird like four-headed dolphin with a bunch of birds coming out of each like dolphin beak it's very strange it's all part of Mabel's hallucination that she has when she's high on sugar oh smile dip that's the name of the that's the name of the candy bless okay so <laughs> the land of smile dip Oh, sure, it looks lovely, but these devil dogs speak in backwards nightmare language that will haunt you forever. I got here by eating Bleventine packages of an expired banned European sugar candy called Smile Dip. This may be the first time I've ever had a bad idea, and I'm sure it'll be my last. And then there's, like, writing all over it. It says, beware of the, like, devil dogs. Okay, cool. That was it. Again, we went off script a little bit, but that's okay. I feel like it's worth it when I get really excited like that. I feel like it's worth it to go off script. I'm always so nervous when I write these scripts that they're not going to be long enough. And then I get into it. And I'm like, oh, you know what? I have a million things to say about why I like the show. So we're good. I never need to worry about how long scripts are. I can just ramble about nothing for literal days. It might not be coherent, but like, you know, if you, if you want a podcast that's going to be a certain length of time, I can make it happen. All right. We're getting back in. Uh, Mabel wins a pet pig at the fair and also time travels. This episode has a lot of time traveling in it. We're back into the, the, where I'm <laughs> listing all the things that are fun about Gravity Falls. Um, also the pet pig's name is Waddles and he's really cute. The gang discovering that dinosaurs survived extinction by being preserved in sap miles underneath Gravity Falls. And this is the thing that the timeline thing was talking about where miners stopped mining because they discovered dinosaurs. And that's why. Because they're preserved in sap below Gravity Falls. That's a full... That's bringing everything full circle. <laughs> um, Mabel getting into a mini golf off with her rival Pacifica and discovering the... the I'm talking too fast. I'm really excited. I love everything about the show. Mabel getting into a mini golf off with her rival Pacifica and discovering the existence of the Lilliputians, small golf ball people who control the mini golf course. And again, there is a journal entry about that. You know what? We're just, mm, we're going to continue to read things from this journal because I think that's fun. It adds some some zest. Also, side note, because I just flipped through the journal trying to find this entry about the Lilliputians. Uh, one episode, there is 
uh, a like Stan used to have a wax museum esque like exhibit thing at the Mystery Shack, and uh, turns out that they're like haunted or something or possessed. I don't know what the terminology is, but they come to life at night and they have to the kids have to defeat the wax figures and at the like they defeat all of them except for like the head of wax larry king which is i don't know for some reason i thought that larry king was dead is he dead is he not dead i don't know i didn't google before i started this because i forgot that it happened but i just thought that was funny because i thought he was dead i mean i guess a lot of the wax like one of them is sherlock holmes so like they're all dead i assume maybe he is dead maybe that's supposed to be the thing Huh. Okay, well, anyway, that was a little bit of a side tangent, and now I'm going to get into the journal entry about the Lilliputians. Is this more than one page? Oh, bless. It's not. It's it's one solid page. We're good. So, this is Dipper's journal entry about the Lilliputians. There we go. If I hold it like that, it's much better. After the horrors of the last few days, Mabel and I decided to try to have some summer relaxation at the local mini golf place. Bit of advice, you can never relax in Gravity Falls. Instead, we encountered the Lilliputians. Mini golf major terror. This tiny race of golf ball people has been turning the golf course into a war zone every night for eons. Seuss says, side note, Seuss is the handyman of the Mystery Shack. And for the longest time, I thought his name was Zeus. It is not. It is S-O-O-S. Seuss. It's very strange. I don't know where this name comes from. But anyway, Seuss says that he's always suspected that tiny people control the mini golf course gumball machines, ATMs, and cuckoo clocks. And I'm starting to wonder how many he's right about. Delightful costumes help distinguish each golf hole's population and keep their hundred-year race war going. Look cute from a distance, but get up close and they are pockmarked, a pockmarked horror show. Rubber brains inside a golf ball head makes them not so smart. Golf ball heads make them nearly indestructible. On the bright side, they hate Pacifica as much as I do. Mabel tried to keep one as a pet and bring it home. Uh, she named him Weensy and put him in her pocket, but he escaped by poking a hole out with a golf ball pencil. If my shrinking adventure taught me anything, Weensy will probably be caught in a jar by another curious kid soon. Weakness, a swift whack to the face with a golf ball club. Because they're golf ball people, so that's fun. Then I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot back over here because I'm about to say another thing and then I have another journal entry. I really hope that you enjoy these journal entries because I'm very excited that I have so much detail to add to these things. Uh, the very last thing that I have on this list is Summer Ween, which I will talk more in depth in a separate episode about Halloween specials in TV. But I also have I just feel like the journal entry from like about the Summerween trickster is more appropriate in this episode than it would be in the Halloween episode since I'm already reading stuff from the journal I thought that it would be more appropriate now so here we have the Summerween trickster and it kind of gives me it gives me uh no face vibes from Spirited Away uh because it like I don't know. It's the like unsettling face on the front of it and then the fact that it gets bigger and like chases the kids towards the end of the episode. It just gives me slight no-face vibes. So anyway, here we go. The Summerween Trickster. The scariest slash goofiest monster that we've encountered so far, and that kid isn't just in there for scale. We saw the trickster swallow him whole. Um, what is his name? What was his name? 
crud. I don't know. There was like this little kid running around in this episode and he, the Summerween trickster swallowed him whole. I ticked him off for not having enough enthusiasm about a made-up local holiday called Summerween and he almost destroyed us. One, tall, stretchy body is the stuff of nightmares. Hello? Tall, stretchy body is the stuff nightmares and taffy are made of. Two, really easily offended. If I was a 13-foot-tall immortal monster, I think I'd be a little less touchy. Three, raspy voice. When Grenda said... Which Grenda said was super hot. Worried about her. We're all worried about Grenda, man. You're not alone, Dipper. Four, can morph its body just like... Ooh! <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. That's... Yes. Okay. All right. I just got really excited. And I'm sorry for that weird, like, excitement noise. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Number four. Can morph its body just like Mr. Faceless from the anime movie The Cranky Girl Who Did Chores in Spirit Town? Yes. I love it. Mabel has watched that 82 times. Honestly, same, bro. I, I do not blame you. Every time that I watch Spirited Away, I want to take the most luxurious bath of my entire life and then eat, like, the best food. Like, I just want really good ramen and a really nice bath and then to sleep for, like, six days. I love that movie. Okay, number five. Rips his clothes every time he transforms, which explains all the stitches. But after chasing... Mm-hmm. Sometimes when I, like, say words, my voice just, like, fades. But after chasing us around town all night, he revealed his true nature to us. This guy is made of loser candy. Something like 30 years of loser candy. And all he ever wanted was for someone to eat him. The scariest thing that I saw on Summerween Eve was Seuss actually eating the Summerween trickster. Second scariest was Stan trying to get into a girdle for his vampire costume. Ew. <laughs> so yeah, the Summerween trickster is just made of, uh, he's just made of, like, gross loser candy. It's like the, the brown taffy and the orange wrapper and, uh, Roos's cups. It's like, <laughs> which is already, like, an off-brand because of trademark, but, hmm. And there's some really cool pictures in here. Maybe I'll tweet this picture of the journal out just so that y'all can see the Summerween trickster who looks like Mr. Faceless from the cranky girl who did chores in Spirit Town. All of that is stuff that makes Gravity Falls really good, but there's so much more. And sure, some of this is kind of filler, but it really helps to build a world. Dipper and Mabel are in Gravity Falls for the whole summer and they should be having fun. Speaking of fun, did you know that hidden at the end hidden in the end credits of the show is a code to decipher. I didn't notice it the first time that I watched the show, but then I saw a YouTube video about the show. I don't remember who made the video, but I remember that they said there was a code. So this time when I watched it, I looked for the codes at the end. I looked at the answers to the cipher, and honestly, if I had been watching the show when it was popular and had been figuring out the clues, my mind would have been blown when we finally met Bill Cipher. So, I'm going to take this opportunity to briefly talk about Bill Cipher. Bill is a demon from the second dimension that tricks the journal's original author into helping him enter our dimension. The journals are... In the journals are a way to summon him, but then in Journal 3, it warns us not to trust him. So when Dipper and Mabel finally meet him for the first time, they know he's no good. He's the main source of conflict through most of the show, and honestly, he's one of my favorite TV villains. I love Bill. I don't have, that's it. I love him. I don't have any more things to say about it because my brain just stopped. Okay. <laughs> so back into the ciphers and the hidden codes at the end of each episode. 
at the end of the theme song is a whisper, and if you play that whisper backwards, that is the clue for decoding the message in the end credits. I just googled really quickly, and at least one time the voice says three letters back, which is telling you how to set up the cipher. I just want to know who the first person was to figure all this out. Um, Not enough to google it and put it in this podcast, but enough that I probably will google it in my spare time. But props to Alex Hirsch for going above and beyond when creating a world like Gravity Falls. The team didn't have to go that hard for us, but they did, and it's wonderful. I'm trying to convince Madison that she would really like Gravity Falls, and I think if we sat down and tried to do the ciphers together, then she would be way more into it. That might be a way to get somebody who isn't really into animation to watch Gravity Falls. Sit down and solve the ciphers together, or just do it on your own. Get the full Gravity Falls experience. Like, that's what I'm going to do with the journal, because there's that whole page that's in code, and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to decipher it. I'm going to decode it. I think that is really cool. And again, how neat. Because, like, never in a show have I encountered something where the creator of the show has been so, like, adamant on creating a world where, like, there's, like, a hard copy of something that was in the show and it like, I don't know, it's real, and there's code in there to decipher, and there's, like, you get bonus content when you buy, I don't know, I feel like I'm rambling and I'm not making any sense, I'm just lit, that there's so much, like, there's stuff to decipher, and if you have the book, then there's more stuff to decipher, and then at the end of the series finale, there was a real photo of an actual Bill Cipher statue hidden somewhere in real life, like, it was a real thing that happened, and again, If I had watched the show when it was on, I would have lost my mind. So after the show ended, like months later, Alex Hirsch tweeted something that was basically like, are you ready? And he gave a clue or something, and thus began the cipher hunt. It's kind of off topic, but I just wanted to add that in here because, again, they didn't have to go that hard for us, but they did. The hunt started in late July, and it was over in early August of 2016. But if that's something that you're into, I highly recommend Googling it because it is really cool. Um... There were clues hidden, like, all over the world. Like, there was uh, something, like, scrawled on a temple somewhere in Japan. And, like, the very first clue was somewhere in Russia. And it was, like, all over the world, all these different clues were hidden. And people had to, like, go out and find them. Kind of like the, um, was it the Cicada Project or something like that? Or it was, like, it was supposed to be the best, uh, like, the people who were, like, the best at ciphering something in the whole world were, were supposed to be able to decode all these cicada things, and it was just, like, a picture of a cicada, and it was, like, there was a poster hanging up in, like, France, and there was another one in, like, Chile or something, Chile, or, like, I don't know where they were, but it was something along the same lines as the cipher hunt from Gravity Falls. So, we're gonna, we're gonna bring it back in. So... I just, again, I just think that's really cool that they would go above and beyond doing something like that. Like, Steven Universe didn't do anything like that. And it's not like, you know, it's the whole premise of the show is, like, the mystery and the ciphers and the, you know, what, who wrote the journal? What does this, um, there's like a, there is, we see it several times throughout the show. There is, like, a, uh, 
like a zodiac circle thing and then in the middle is a picture of bill and on the outside is like all these weird symbols there's like a shooting star and a bag of ice and a heart with like stitches in it and it's like all these weird things that we see throughout the show and not until the very very end of the show like the series finale do we finally figure out what that means and we've seen this symbol like it happens fleetingly in the background of shots or like like uh several uh frames of animation like in one uh section of the intro or something like that it's just like very fleeting we'll see it and so by the end when we finally see it and we figure out what it means we're like oh i've seen that symbol before but it's never really you know we don't know what it means until the very very end and i just i love the way that all the world building happened and mm -hmm, okay that's it i'm gonna i'm gonna cut myself off right there because otherwise i'm just gonna keep rambling and it's not gonna make any sense and i'm not gonna be able to reel it back in and pull myself back into a script so here we go back into the script <laughs> i love gravity falls and i'm super grateful to the show for getting me started watching all the shows that are now my favorites this show has the perfect balance of mystery and goofy stuff for me personally i love the humor i love the pacing of it they packed so much story into 40 episodes it's insane but it never feels rushed and then after 40 episodes and almost the end of the world dipper and mabel leave gravity falls to go back home to california and i love um i had to watch the end scene to figure out I don't remember what it was but i had to watch the end scene to like find a specific moment to remember something i don't remember but the the bus it doesn't ever say i don't think it ever says where from california they are from it just says california so like the bus when it comes to pick them up the like thing on the front of the bus it says gravity falls and then it flicks over and it just says california we don't know where in california california is a big state <laughs> we don't know where they're going just somewhere in california so i just thought that was fun um I really like when shows or movies end with a monologue from one of the characters. That personally gives me much more closure. Uh, one of my favorite movies of all time, like animated or not, is uh, The Perks of Being a Wallflower. And at the very end, because through the whole movie and the whole book, if you read the book, it's Charlie writing these letters. And then at the end of the movie, the very last scene is like one last letter from charlie and he's narrating it over like after he's he's not done with the healing process but like he's he's working through it and he's basically saying i don't think i'm gonna need to write these letters anymore but you know if i i don't know if i'm gonna have the time to write anymore because i might be too busy trying to participate so if this does end up being my last letter i just want you to know that i was in a bad place before i started high school and you helped me and i don't think he's writing the letters to anyone like in particular i think it's just kind of a way for him to keep a journal or something of how he's feeling and just like that acknowledgement of like this this is the end but i appreciate everything that we went through together so that i like that when things are narrated over by one of the characters kind of in like a retrospect retrospective kind of a point of view so okay getting back into this the end of steven universe future wrecked me and it's not like it didn't end well because it did it just hit me really hard because it felt so silent and it's not silent because there's like music playing over it but like steven's not saying anything he's just like he just i'm not gonna like spoil the end but like 
it just it feels so silent i don't dislike the end of future it just feels it feels really intimate and i like that i just wish that there was kind of some like talking or something over it i don't know like at the end of the very first episode is steven narrating and he says something like uh there are fundamental things that we know there, there are fundamental things about ourselves that we know to be true, and it's important to remember those things when times get hard, or something to that effect. And I wish that they had done, like, a full circle or, like, a symmetry kind of a thing, where, like, the first episode ended with him saying, uh, like, remember who you are when times get hard. And then, like, at the end, I wish he had done the same thing where, like, I don't know, I don't know who I am or who I want to be, but I'm going to figure it out or something like that. I don't know. I wish it kind of had ended like that, but I like how it ended. So Gravity Falls ended with Dipper telling us to visit Gravity Falls. And we also see a montage of what everyone is doing after the summer ends. And just watching that scene removed from everything that happened in the finale is really nice because it doesn't feel like a hard end. After Dipper gets done saying goodbye to Gravity Falls, he opens up a letter that Wendy gave him at the bus stop, and inside is a piece of paper that everyone in the town signed, and it says, see you next summer. And I love that, because they can always come back to Gravity Falls, and so can we. We can watch this show over and over again and relive this great story and this captivating mystery. But in the meantime, if you don't already own it, I highly recommend buying the official journal number three. It is so cool. And y'all know that I love it because I've already read like four entries from this journal. <laughs> um, all the stuff from the show is in there, plus some extra stuff from when Dipper had the journal. And then there's some epilogue stuff from the original author. And if you're curious about what happened to them, get this book. There's like 20 pages dedicated to their adventures, and it's really, really cool. So... I'd like to read from the end of the journal, and then I'll wrap up. Uh, possible spoiler warning, I'll reveal the first name of the author of the journals, but only their first name because I don't want to totally spoil it. So, let me pause for a second and get resituated. August 29th. Gravity Falls is back to normal, at least as normal as things get in this place. And although unusual phenomena are concentrated here, they are not confined to this location. There's a whole world out there that needs to be protected, and based on some strange signals that I've seen in the Arctic Ocean, I think a new adventure might be on the horizon. When my brother and I were kids, we would often read tales of the sibling brothers, about two boys who dedicated their lives to exploring mysteries together. For the record, the butler stole the capers, obviously. With a new anomaly to investigate, I've been thinking about those tales more and more lately. Dipper is no longer my apprentice, and Fiddleford has a genuine career as an adventurer ahead of him, so I think it's time for us to join forces again. At least I hope so. I haven't discussed my idea with my brother yet, but if I know him, he will jump at the chance to find money and babes. The path before us is clear, and it looks like this. It's a beautiful summer day. Everyone is packing for their respective futures, but I have found my mind drifting to how lovely the cloudless sky looks beneath the August sun. I've spent too long with my head in a book, and it's time to look at the world and people around me once more. But what to do with these journals? They've been created, destroyed, lost, found, buried, burned, and yet somehow, despite everything, they remain here like a curse I can't escape. I had suggested to Dipper that because of all the misfortune caused by them, we burned them in the last campfire of the summer. Mabel, Seuss, Stan, and all seemed very excited by this notion, but Dipper had a better idea. We'll burn all of my Bill Cipher artifacts instead, so we did. My scrolls, carpets, windows, everything I've collected with Bill went into this fire. We made s'mores and told stories until sunrise. 
It was Mabel who ultimately came up with the best solution of what to do with these journals. And so here we are at the bottomless pit, a mystery of Gravity Falls that I still have never fully solved. Based on my investigations, tossing these journals inside could land them just about anywhere. They may end up in the center of the Earth, being devoured by a subterranean dinosaur, or in another dimension, or somehow in the hands of another curious young mind who has, whose adventure has just begun. Perhaps someone who will find secrets in this book that were hidden even from me. And that brings me to you, dear reader. If you are holding this book in your hands, you hold something more than a record of the curious happenings in a town called Gravity Falls. You hold a record of one man's folly and the kindness of a family that saved him from himself. It's never too late to learn that growing old doesn't have to mean growing up. Stay curious, stay weird, stay kind, and don't let anyone ever tell you that you aren't smart or brave or worthy enough. If you have come to these adventure if you have come on these adventures with us, then you are an honorary member oh you are an honorary member of our family. And your adventure starts today. And if anyone ever gets in your way, we have an entire section on curses. Have at it. For the last time, unless we meet in some distant world, this is... Ooh. Mm. This is the author signing off. <laughs> Again, I had to censor that real hard as I was reading it. So the reading of that might be a little bit choppy, but that's okay. <laughs> I hope that all came out. So, honestly, at this point, if you heard me read through that last uh, entry in the journal, maybe you can kind of piece together who the original author was, but, meh, you know, whatever. You're either, you're either going to figure it out by watching the show, or you're going to figure it out by doing what I did and watching a timeline video trying to figure out if you're actually going to be into the show or not. So, just... I didn't intentionally spoil anything, and so I can I can go to bed with a clean conscience knowing that. So, <laughs> there is so much about Gravity Falls that I didn't talk about, and honestly, just go watch it. I saved it for October because while nothing about the show is inherently spooky, the mystery aspect of it makes it feel perfect for Halloween. So, that's all I've got for this week. Uh, did you watch Gravity Falls while it was on TV, or were you a latecomer like me? Did you solve any of the ciphers? I'd love to hear from you and get your thoughts on Gravity Falls. Follow me on Twitter, at Kelby underscore cartoons, and don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to stick around next week when we'll be discussing Over the Garden Wall, another show that I've been dying to talk about. I'm going to have a guest with me, and we will be talking freely about all plot elements, so make sure that you go watch it before you come back and listen. It's a quick watch. I think it's like 10, 11-minute episodes, and it's perfect for October. It actually takes place around Halloween, so it's, it's perfect for Spooky Month. So, I will see you back here next week for more spooky content, and until then, happy Saturday! or whatever day it is, whenever you're listening. Happy whatever, and happy spooky month. <laughs>